Hello, and welcome to the Kiskea Chapel Sermon Podcast. Kiskea Chapel is an international church in Port-au-Prince, Haiti, where we equip English-speaking believers to expand God's kingdom in our community and beyond. For more information about Kiskea Chapel, you can visit us on our website at kiskeachapel.org. We hope you enjoy this message. How many of you were able to read from First Chapter 2 this week? Okay, so some, a lot of us. Really, I'm going to convince you, you got to start reading for yourself. But as we read in first chapter 2 this week, I want to land on a couple of verses that caught my attention about babies here. Here's what it says. Peter says, like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. If indeed you've tasted that the Lord is good. Those verses jumped out to me, maybe because I talked to Michael and Reese, uh, or maybe the Holy Spirit led me to them, but it's really something that we have talked about, at least since I've been here, is the issue of going, how do we get people to long for the pure spiritual milk of God's Word? I started thinking about this, and I did some research and some reading, and one of the things that shocked me was, did you know that all mammals have a basic instinct built into them to look for milk? That we take it for granted. But actually we think maybe something's wrong when a baby doesn't know how to suckle at the mother's breast because it's instinctive. Have you ever seen animals? After they're born, they're rooting around, they're trying to figure out, but how do they know they're supposed to find something? This is one of the many reasons why I go, it's bizarre to believe that this universe was created by random chance. If it was just random chance, then why does every infant we've ever seen have this built-in instinct for mother's milk? It's just part of how God has wired us. It also amazes me that God has designed mother's milk to produce the perfect food for infants. Did you know breast milk? We've tried with all of our technology, but we cannot replicate it. The research is very clear. We we can't replicate it. We can do a pretty good job, but there's something about the way mother's milk comes in that feeds an infant that no formula can replace, even though we've really, really tried. Uh, Take a look at a couple of quotes here. I'm going to read this first one. This is from the American Pregnancy Association. They say, breast milk has the perfect combination of proteins, fats, vitamins, and carbohydrates. There is nothing better for the health of your baby. Leukocytes are living cells that are only found in breast milk. They help fight infection. It is the antibodies, the living cells, the enzymes and hormones that make breast milk ideal. These cannot be added to formula. We can't create these leukocytes, at least yet, (laughs) that can replace what God has designed human beings intrinsically in and of themselves to have the ability, the best possible, ideal solution to cause infants to grow. 
that's really striking. In fact, I read some of the stats. There's so many more than this, but just as a start, breastfed infants are 14 times less likely to die in the first six months. Adoption of breastfeeding, this is uh, from the UN report, by the way, in poor countries could prevent the death of an estimated 823,000 children under age two. Just by going, yeah, we'll just go with God's design. Breastfeeding benefits moms as well, and, and there's a whole list of these in the report, but here's just one. It has a staggering impact on the incidence of breast cancer. There's some debate about how more likely women are to get breast cancer who didn't breastfeed, but all the studies agree that it's a massive gap, significant gap. Breastfeeding is not only the perfect milk for infants, the perfect food, but it also has these incredible benefits for the mom. Did you know that? All our tech, all our amazing formulas, we still can't replicate breast milk. Even though we've done a pretty good job, it's still not the same, and the research is clear on it. So when Peter says these words, like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, He's talking about something that people in every culture through all of history has known as true. Isn't that amazing? Peter's tapping into something. It doesn't matter whether you live in New Zealand or in Europe, America. Hey, it doesn't matter. All cultures know this. We can find cultures that have had no contact with the outside world, and guess what? They still know how to breastfeed infants. We haven't found any exceptions to it. It's always there. And so Peter says, you have to start longing for this pure milk, not formula. Now, I, I want to make sure I'm clear here. I know there are many moms, and maybe some of you here, who there are reasons that you couldn't breastfeed. You had to use formula because there were issues. And, and it's wonderful that we have the kind of science that can produce at least a good alternative, even if not the best. So I'm not trying to say this to make somebody feel guilty about it at all. I'm just saying it's stunning to note that God's plan, we have not been able to replicate. We can't copy it. And that's what Peter's saying here. There is a perfect, a pure spiritual milk made specifically for newborn Christians. Do you know what that is? Scripture's filled with allusions to it. The milk of God's word. It's his design for how Christians are supposed to grow. And we've tried all kinds of other formulas. By the way, in the West, you know what the most common formula is? Let's get guys like preachers to stand up and tell you what it says. It's not bad, but it will never replace the pure spiritual milk of God's word because God created us for this. Again, formula's not bad, formula's very good. Thank God we can supplement things, but we cannot replace God's original design yet. We still need infants to drink the pure milk. I was thinking about this and I realized uh, that Peter here is, is referring in fact to churches like the church in the West, in America, North America, South America, and, 
and the Caribbean here, we often decide that we're going to grow Christians through formula. That's what we've done. And so we have people who have Bibles, they don't read them though. They go listen to some idiot like me tell you what it says. It's not bad. It can be good as a supplement, but it'll never replace God's pure spiritual milk. <clears throat> Take a look at what uh, John says. We, I, when I first got here, we started, I think, in this passage. John chapter 15, Jesus puts it this way, abide in me and I in you. As the branch can't bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. Do you hear what Jesus is saying? Same thing Peter's saying. God has a design for your spiritual growth and it is not listening to sermons. It is not surfing internet sites and watching church services. That's not his design. His design is that you, you, you personally would figure out how to drink from God's perfectly designed spiritual milk, the Word of God. It can't be replaced. That's why around here we say, uh, we, uh, you've heard us talk about it, and some of you maybe are newer, and you're like, what are they talking about? We call it our AIM journals, because AIM just stands for those three words in John 15, abide in me, abide in me. Jesus' instructions to the disciples could not have been any simpler, could they? I mean, he didn't leave us confused about how you grow as a Christian. That doesn't mean that worship services and music and preaching and other things aren't good supplements. They are. But they cannot replace. You can't just live off the formula and grow healthy as a Christian. You're going to have to learn how to drink from the pure spiritual milk of God's Word. That's why, again, we would say a disciple's number one priority. It, I don't think there's any question about this. The number one priority for you, if you are a follower of Jesus, is learning how to abide. You can get a whole bunch of other stuff wrong, but if you get that right, that for Jesus is the clear priority. He said, if you abide in me, you'll bear fruit. If you don't, no fruit. Not some fruit, no fruit. It's the way God has designed it, and he's been very clear with us, even though we have tended not to follow the instructions. That's why I strongly urge you, if you're not doing, okay, this is just a program, AIM. It's just our way of encouraging people to become abiders. I don't care whether you use the booklets or not. If you have another way that you're doing it, you should keep doing that. <laughs> but here's what I found over many years pastoring. Most Christians know that abiding is the most important thing they can do. In fact, I had a church once, a large church, where we polled almost every person in the church and we said, what's the number one thing you could do that would cause you to grow spiritually? 
It was somewhere in the 90s, like 93% said I could uh, abide in, in Christ. That, that's the thing that would come. In other words, they weren't confused about God's plan for growth. Then we asked them, how many of you are abiding more than twice a week? <laughs> See what the percentage went down to? It was in the 20s, like 24. So 93% knew it was the most important thing they could do for their spiritual growth, and yet 24% were doing kind of abiding in Jesus' word. So I would ask you, and I'm going to ask you many times this morning, are you one of those people? You know this intellectually? You know that abiding is the most critical skill you can develop as a disciple? But you just can't get around to it. By the way, did you know we have an enemy? We have a real enemy. And do you know what he wants to stop more than anything on planet Earth? He wants to stop you from abiding. Because he knows if you abide, game over. Jesus will cause you to bear much fruit as he promised. But if he can get you to just intellectually think, yes, 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 we should be abiders, but not really do it, Satan wins. Because Jesus said, if you don't abide in me, no fruit. If you were Satan, isn't that what you would do? You would get people to agree with this intellectually and yet not do it. That's why Jesus used to say sometimes, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and then not do what I say? <laughs> why, do you, why do you even bother calling me Lord if you're not going to obey? I gave you a clear, clear instruction, abide in me. And you go, oh, yes, yes, we agree, that's very important. And then you don't do it. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, if you're not going to obey these things? I have a very simple message to you this morning. Don't settle for formula. Don't do it. Uh, you know, maybe you're going to church and it's really fulfilling and it's a good experience. That's wonderful, but it's not God's number one plan for your growth. Don't settle for formula. Again, I read a quote from a kid's health site. It says, a number of health organizations, the American Academy of Pediatrics, the American Medical Association, and the World Health Organization recommend breastfeeding is the best choice for babies. Babies uh, get immunities against infections, allergies, and a number of chronic conditions. This is what the research says again. Let me read to you some of the benefits of breastfeeding. Less ear infections, less diarrhea, less respiratory infections, less meningitis, less allergies, less asthma, less diabetes, less obesity, less sudden infant death syndrome. I'm going to suggest to you the same thing is true, according to Peter, spiritually. If you do not learn how to abide from the pure spiritual milk of God's word, you become far more vulnerable to disease spiritually. The enemy can attack you easily. That's why the Apostle Paul says, put on the whole armor of God. 
He says, you, you need to know his word so that you can put out the flaming arrows of the enemy. If you don't, if you don't start doing this abiding, you are vulnerable. The, the enemy has an easy attack on you because you won't know God's truth well enough to defend against the arrows of the enemy. Again, I want to repeat, formula is sometimes necessary. It can help. It's a good supplement. There are many things that Jesus did and told us to do. The apostles told us many things that we should do as his followers. But we can't do all those and skip what was the clear priority for Jesus, and we see it here from Peter. Guys, you have to, like newborn infants, long, long for the pure spiritual milk of God's word. In other words, don't become formula dependent. Do you know that's your choice? Uh, we're getting close now. We're not quite there. But we have in every linguistic language tongue on the planet, we have a full translation of the Bible. We've got about a dozen, I think, left to do. And those are usually groups less than four or 500 people. There's nobody out there that can go like, well, I just don't have access to it. You have access. If you don't have a Bible, come see me. I'll do anything to give you a Bible. By the way, one of the things that's frustrating for me, I know it's not bad, but most of the Bibles I've seen in Creole are French Bibles. This is okay. But you must read it in your heart language. We're an English-speaking church, but I still want you to read in English, and I, I want you to start reading in Creole your heart language. This is God's design for every human on planet Earth, no matter what tribe, what tongue, what language. Don't become dependent on formula. By the way, I'm formula, okay? Preaching is formula. By the way, has it ever uh, struck you that there are very few passages, particularly in Jesus' teaching, where he says, guys, I want you to learn how to be really good communicators, stand up in front and give lectures to people? Why doesn't he say that? He did it some, but he doesn't really seem to say, guys, here's how we're going to go reach the world. You all will become great preachers. The Western church has become dependent on milkmen. I am a milkman, okay? I'm supposed to get you the milk, get you excited for the milk, but I cannot replace the milk. I didn't make the milk. God's word is something that's not from me. At best, I can be a good milkman, at best. And so can any preacher you've ever heard, worship leader you've ever heard, Bible study leader you've ever been around. The best they can do is lead you to the source of growth, the pure spiritual milk of God's word. Again, it's okay to supplement. There are times when people go, I have a question. I, I, I am abiding, but I don't understand some things. 
So that can be good. Maybe as a milkman, maybe as a preacher, I can clarify some things. But you still have to do it yourself. I cannot spoon feed you. It won't work. You will not grow into a healthy disciple if all you do is hear sermons. It's not God's plan. And of course, it's interesting. Sometimes I see in the West, we have preachers who want to say, you don't need the milk. Come to me. I'll tell you what the Bible says. Well, may God be my judge if I become that. That is not my job. That is not my job. If I replace your desire for God's pure spiritual milk, I have failed miserably. On the other hand, if I've wet your appetite, if I cause you to want to go, I want to drink of this pure spiritual milk, I I've done my job. That's my job. So again, let me ask you, have you skipped the step of latching on to the breast? Many people have in the West. They go on and they go to conferences and they listen to blogs and they do all kinds of things, but they never got down the fundamental skill of spiritual growth. Can you imagine trying to take a baby and saying, here, here's a steak, go at it. It would do nothing. Actually, my grandchildren, they would, they would gum on it, play with it. But at some point, they'd fail to thrive because they're not built for that. They can't digest a steak. It would probably make them very ill. So are you following God's plan for your growth? I'm not asking you this morning, do you agree with me? Because I know everybody in churches is like, oh, yes, we totally agree with this. I'm asking, is that your strategy for spiritual growth? Or are you formula dependent? Again, if you miss out on this spiritual abiding with God's pure spiritual milk, you will have problems with spiritual immunities. You will catch many diseases. Because God's word is designed to produce immunity in us. The evil one cannot get past the truth. Is that true for you? Well, I want to go on to a second principle from this passage because, again, I know that everyone here is going like, yeah, I already know this, I already know this. Well, I hope that you'll move from knowing it to doing it. But there's a second thing I want to point out in this passage. Peter says, like newborns, long, long. There are a lot of other uh, ways that gets translated. Crave. Do you know this word crave? Earnestly desire, like a, a drug addict craves drugs. They'll do anything to get them. Here's the point Peter's trying to make. If you don't develop this longing for God's pure spiritual milk, you're probably not going to get there. Oh, maybe you'll get a little journal and you'll write down a few things and you go, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. There has to be this longing. Have you ever seen a little piglet 
try and feed after mama. And they're fighting, they're longing, they're craving, they're doing anything they can, climbing over each other. Because they understand instinctively, that's how you grow. You have to have this longing. If you don't, if you just have a glib or an easy approach to God's word, it will not surrender its treasures to you. You have to long for it. You have to desire. You have to, the scriptures sometimes say, pant after it. Look at a couple of these passages. By the way, the, the Greek word there means pretty much what you think. You have to really, 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 really want it. <laughs> Luke talked about, you know, have you ever had that meal? Wow, I was, couldn't wait to get back to Haiti because, yo, I'm longing for that meal. Um... This is what the Bible says. We have to long after pure spiritual milk. You have to yearn for it. You have to desire it. Something less is insufficient. Look at these passages, Psalm 42. As the deer pants after the waters, so my soul longs for you, God. We sing that song. As the deer pants, longs. This is... The image the psalmist gives for how we're supposed to pursue God. Look at the book of Proverbs. I've read this passage several times. Proverbs chapter 2. I'm just picking out parts of the first five verses. Uh, Solomon says, my son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments within you, if you seek it like silver and search for it like hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. In other words, Peter is telling us here, you have to long for this. You can't just kind of go, yeah, I'll read a couple verses. You have to go, God, I'm longing to meet you. I know the place to meet you is in your word. And I'm longing for you. I'm yearning for you. The last verse I want to look at there is Job 23, 12. I probably have told this story before, but that's okay. You'll be all right. Uh, When I was a young man, after I became a Christian, I had an older man, he was a Chinese missionary, named Jake Combs. And Jake Combs took many of us, we were like 20 years old, and he said, so um, tell me what 1 Peter 1 says. We were like, what? We don't know. (laughs) Then he'd ask us all kinds of other verses, and we were like, we don't know, we don't know. He goes, whoo you're not going to do well in this war, are you? It's like, oh. He said, turn to your Bible to Job 23, 12, because none of us knew what Job 23, 12 said. Look what it says. I have not departed from the command of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. So this older Chinese missionary, Jake Combs, looked at a bunch of us young kids who were all zealous as young Christians, and he said, okay, I got a challenge for you guys. No eating until you've treasured God's word more than your necessarily food, your daily bread. You know, it was one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. <laughs> we would get up, and we would go, man, I'm hungry. It's like, uh-uh, uh-uh. He'd say, no, no one can eat until all of you have treasured God's word more than your necessary food. 
was like, oh, darn it. I know it says that. I know this is what Jesus says. But, man, that's hard. I, I got so many things I want to do today. I don't know if I have time for this. You know, the research is very clear. People say they don't have time for it. Sometimes I'll, when we're doing the AIM stuff, I'll say, okay, let's read 1 Peter 2 out loud. Timer. Click. They read, they read. I go, oh, a minute and 48 seconds. So you're really going to try and tell me you don't have a minute and 48 seconds today. You, you're really going to try and be serious, like, oh, I'm so busy today. I, I can't do that. <laughs> well, I don't know. I started getting better. By the way, if, if you want to become an abider, you're going to have to long for it and fight for it and move forward. You'll move very slowly sometimes because the enemy will do anything he can to stop you from becoming an abider. It's his greatest fear that people would know Jesus' word and they could yield it as the sword, Paul says, in battle. Folks, uh, even though I really want all of you to do something like the AIM Journal and be, start working at becoming abiders, I also want you to know that just getting a journal and writing a couple things in it every once in a while will not produce spiritual growth. There must be this yearning, this longing after God. Every expat knows this, right? What are we? We, we are exiles in a foreign land. And so we have this longing, this yearning, someday to find the city of God. <laughs> uh, we had, uh, years ago, when my boys were younger, we had a Haitian young boy who was in high school, and he came and lived with us in the States for, I think, 12 or 13 months, about a year, uh, because he wanted to finish high school there. So he lived with us, and, and Lamech uh, is from Fond de Blanc, and he, we'd known him pretty well and his family pretty well at that point. And he's a very easygoing, very gentle young man. But while he was with us, we saw Lamech get very, very angry because there was another Haitian who went to his high school. And that Haitian had a Haitian name, the kind that I would say, could you please spell that for me so I can pronounce it? But he didn't like to use his Haitian name. So he told everybody his name was Bob. And Lamech did not like this at all. He's like, why are you denying you're a Haitian? What are you doing? <laughs> I can remember Bob would call our house and say, is Lamech there? <laughs> and we'd say, Lamech, uh, your friend from school. He goes, what friend? Bob? He goes, nope, I will not talk to him unless he uses his Haitian name. I thought, I know what that was. It was his longing. He enjoyed his time in America, but he longed to be back in Haiti. There were all these smells and foods and all these things that drew him back. Everybody understands that. We all understand that longing for home. Expats, I'm sure that some of you have many stories you could tell about when you move down here and you go, Here's the thing I miss. Sometimes I just long for. For Laurel and I, it's when my grandchildren call. Because <laughs> they call us on a video call. 
And they say, Peepaw, look at the card. They just they can't talk fast enough. When we hang up, that's when we feel like, oh, I long to be back with them. I long to see them. Yesterday, he showed me he learned how to ride a bike, my oldest grandson, and he showed me he could stop by slamming on the brakes and skidding. Well, his first try, he slammed on the brakes and went flying off. But I'm watching this on a camera and I'm going, man, I, I, I desire earnestly that I could be there and see that. Doesn't mean I, I don't want to be here. No. We all have that longing. Some of you, uh, did anyone here grow up in the countryside here? Do you ever have a longing for what's going on back home? <laughs> it doesn't mean you don't like it here in Port-au-Prince. It just means that there are smells and images and creeks and views, all kinds of things that trigger you and make you long for that. Longing is a normal experience. In fact, C.S. Lewis, the great English thinker, one of the greatest intellects maybe in history, C.S. Lewis used to put it this way, if we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were not made for this world. Why? We're exiles. This is not our home. We have a longing for a city. We don't even know what it looks like. That's part of the reason that we need to become abiders is because it begins to paint the picture of the kingdom of God and it should produce in us this longing to go home. Uh, in fact, the last words of the Bible, do you know what they are? Maranatha in Greek. It means come quickly, Lord. Please come get me and take me home. Come quickly. God has built that yearning into us just like he's built our yearning as infants for mother's milk. One last passage describes that. The book of Hebrews chapter 11. It's talking about the great heroes of the faith in the Old Testament. And they sum up in verse 13. All these died in faith. They never received the things promised. But having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and what? Exiles on earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. Did you know that? You're seeking a homeland. You have a yearning in you for something that you don't even know what it is. And the only description of it is in Jesus' words, the kingdom of God. Verse 15 says, if they'd been thinking of the land from which they'd gone out, they would have had the opportunity to return. In other words, this was an ordinary homesickness. They weren't like, oh, I wish I could go back to Egypt. They were like, no, I have this longing to go somewhere, but I've never been there. But as it is, verse 16 says, they desire a better country. Do you desire a better country? Man, I do. A heavenly one, he says. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for as he has prepared for them a city. The city of God, 
St. Augustine used to call it. He wrote a book about it. The city of God. That's your yearning. That's your longing. And when you become an abider, the picture of that city starts coming into focus. You start going, oh, that's what I want. That's what I've been longing for. I want to close uh, with two questions. Number one, I already asked it, but I'm asking again. Are you formula dependent? Or are you learning to abide by utilizing God's pure spiritual milk? I'm not asking, do you agree with me here? I'm asking you, which is true about you? Are you dependent on formula? Or do you know how to acquire God's pure spiritual milk? The second question I'm asking this morning is, will you yearn for God's intended fuel for your growth? When you know it, you will say like Job 23, 12, I have desired his words more than my necessary food. You will have that yearning, that longing. By the way, I have found that's a gift of the Holy Spirit. You have to ask God, God, give me this yearning, this longing for your word. Is that your prayer? That's God's design. That we would yearn for the pure spiritual milk of God's word. We hope this message was helpful for you. If you're in Haiti, join us on Sunday mornings where English speakers from all backgrounds, missionaries, diplomats, Haitians, expats, come together to worship, to connect, and to have fellowship with one another. You can find more information about our location, our service times, and our Sunday school program for all ages at our website at kiskeachapel.org. Or shoot us an email at chapelq at gmail.com. That's chapelq at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.